This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, friends. So glad that you are joining me today. Bless you. I am going to join with Paul in Ephesians 3, and this is what I pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Yes and amen. And this is a personal prayer. This is for you personally, that even today, you may come to know more deeply how vast, how immeasurable, how all-encompassing is the love of God for you. So today, we're continuing what is going to be a three-part series of hearing women's testimonies. My prayer is that you be encouraged, you be blessed, you remember your own with thanksgiving, and maybe even be provoked for more with Jesus. Today, my guest is my dear friend, Elaine Supple, who lives in Ireland, a little south of Dublin. I had the joy of meeting Elaine about seven years ago. And Elaine, you may or may not know this, but I was immediately drawn to her, her life, her passion, the quality of her character and her walk with God, as well as her sense of humor. She's funny. Okay, (laughs) you are funny. I love her. And I could go on, but she's Irish and this kind of thing mortifies her. So (laughs) there you go. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you, Stacey. Yes, it does mortify us as Irish. (laughs) Are you (laughs) turned? Too many compliments. (laughs) Too many in a row. I think you've turned a little red. (laughs) A little bit of blushing, but I could go on and on. And I am so glad, so honored, and so looking forward to you sharing your story with us, your, your story with God. So let's just dive right in. And how about if you begin by just telling us a little bit about your childhood? Yeah, sure. Um, My childhood was a little bit different than a lot of people. Um, My dad was in the RAF. And so I grew up moving around a lot. Um, I have two brothers, a twin brother and an older brother, about 18 months older. And we, we grew up moving a lot over you know um, a certain period of time so between one and 15 I had 22 different homes and 16 oh my goodness can we just pause there 22 different wow that has an effect a lot and it does it does I was very fortunate um that my mother um she was a very very kind nurturing mom and so that really was our lifeline mm. um, through those years. Um, and so she always, home was always, always felt safe. 
it always felt a place that, you know, that we could come close. And, and actually, because of the lifestyle that I had, we ended up being quite close. Um, I, you know, my relationship with my brothers and my mom, we, we were particularly um, close because we had to, I suppose, in some ways, hold on to each other because, you know, there's so much transition all the time that we couldn't really afford to connect or, or really grow our, our roots deep with people or in the places. Right, we're. right. I was thinking about that just as you were speaking, that um, that doesn't afford the developing of deep friendships with schoolmates. Yeah, it was hard. So my friendships were really with my brothers. Ah, there you go. I had lots of there, and that was the consistent part. So for me, it was that, you know, my twin brother, we were always up to monkey business, the two of us, my older brother, 18 months old. We were our own little crew. We operated that way. And so God really, that that was his provision for sure for me. I did have friends along the way, but it was always hard to let them go. So, yes, it was tricky. It was tricky to develop those relationships. And did you feel, was there any time in those years that you felt God's presence or his pursuit of you? I have a funny story. The first time I ever felt God's presence, I'm not too sure if it was God's presence, but at the time I felt as a child, it was, I was about seven years old. And one morning my mom woke up and she goes, right, we're all going to church. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh no, I'd had a couple of experiences of church up to that point. And I just thought they were so boring. <laughs> and I, I had to get dressed up as well to get out of my shorts and, you know, make myself look good. And I was standing at the front door um, of our house and I looked up, was looking up at the sky and I said, God, if you're really there, will you make it rain so we don't have to do it? <laughs> and? So, and can you guess what I happened? guess it started to rain. It started to rain, which in the time we were living in Cyprus, which was unusual. Um, and I just remember my mom coming out and going, oh, no, no, let's just leave it then. And a sense of relief, but also a little glimmer of, hmm, is there a God? <laughs> that is a hilarious story. So, so, yeah. so going to church was not a normal part of your growing up? No, it wasn't a normal part. Um, my, both my parents uh, were Irish Catholics. They'd grown up very much in the tradition and, you know, going to church, saying the rosary for them in their own personal families, but certainly they weren't passing that on to us. And so, no, I didn't grow up in really in any, being taught really in any tradition. Um, but the next time that I felt, you know, God's presence going from that very young, immature one was when I was about, um, what age was I? 11. And at that point, my parents who were not you know, they were real more so nominal Catholics. And um, we were living in Yorkshire at the time. And so uh, charismatic renewal was really kind of in the in the 70s, was right. coming right through yes. all over. I, I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure it was happening. Oh, yeah, America it was huge well. for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was coming through um, in every denomination, including, you know, the Catholic Church. And so my parents went on this retreat. And um, one weekend, their friends invited them. And uh, and when they came back from that retreat, I just knew they were different. And um, we didn't go with them, but they came in the door. And I remember my mom coming down on her knees and just embracing me and hugging me and telling me, I can't wait to tell you what's just oh. happened. And as she hugged me, 
I know as she hugged me, there was this love that was radiating from her that I had never felt before. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. So then what happened yeah. for your family? What was the effect? It completely changed the whole direction of our family. Um, my mom, you know, being a smart, savvy woman, um, she very much gave us a choice around, you know, would we like to, you know, I suppose, taste and see this experiential thing that they had had of God. And so she asked me, you know, would you like to come and see? That's all she said. Do you want to come and see what we've experienced? I just said yes, because I was thinking whatever they have. Oh, owned. that's beautiful. And so I ended up going to one of those kind of crazy meetings where there was old grannies there, punk rockers, you know, in this place in the middle of Yorkshire, everyone singing, like the air was saturated with love. That was the only way to describe it. And it was in that moment I queued up like everyone else, went up to this beautiful anointed priest and spirit. And, and what was significant about that moment was I, when I turned around to my mom and I just said, what do I do? What do I do here? And she said, just ask Jesus into your heart. That's simple. Like. And so I went up and priest kind of like leant down towards me. And I said, I want to, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. And one of the interesting things that he said to me that I'll always remember, he said, tell me, tell me first what you need. Oh, I know. And I remember being shocked in that moment going, why is he asking me what I need? I've never been asked that before. And so in that moment, because I was moving around so much, I just said, I just need to catch up at school. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just prayed with me and I had this touch of God. I wouldn't say it was like fireworks or anything, but it was just this love that just, you know, went right through my whole being. That was so gentle and so kind, you know, from that moment on, I, of course, could never, I could never forget that touch of God in that moment. Oh, oh, I love that. I love that. All of it. So then what happened? Now you're 11. Now you've had a touch from God. You, your family has shifted and changed. And what about the journey of your own heart after that? The journey of my own heart. Uh, from that time, we then actually moved to Ireland. So at that point, I was 14, 15. And uh, from the time I moved to Ireland, it was like God like watching out for me, you know, those teenage years. And um, the first group of people that I connected with was a little Bible study. So as soon as I arrived in Ireland, I knew nobody. But my mom, being this amazing woman that she was, she um, connected in with a group called Campus Crusade. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so they, they were running a Bible study. And for some young people, and I went to that. And then from that Bible study, then um, the next connection, um, I kind of bumped into a group called Youth with a Mission. So around 16, 17, connected in with them. And they really like took me like up in their arms. And, you know, I ended up uh, training, you know, to go on mission, went to Germany from Germany, then went on mission out to the Philippines, worked there for a couple of years as a missionary. Really at that point in my life was thinking, I just want to live for God. I just want to give everything to him. Um, and yeah, I, I really felt that I was going to be called to just being single for God. I didn't think that 
part of his plan would be that I would get married. <laughs> but I ended up coming back to Ireland. And sure, then that's when I met my lovely husband. <laughs> okay. And he was a believer, obviously. He was, yes. Yeah. So we got married and, you know, had a family and just started, I suppose, just the busy years of tending to our family and our children. Um, at one point, we moved to Germany. So we lived there for a few years. Um, and that peace in Germany was very important for us for the next really, I suppose, deepening of my own faith personally. For those three years, we really didn't have any Christian support at all. And um, we were just there by ourselves. And I, in those three years, because of the lack of how I describe Christian activity, I really got an experience of what is a lane like internally without any of the props. Uh-huh. <laughs> And so it was like he stripped everything away, all the activity, all the busyness, all the distraction of the Christian life. And just at the right moment, as I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I really don't think I'm a very loving person. <laughs> That's what I was thinking at the end of those three years. And how could that be? Someone who has followed God, loved him for so long. You know, how could my heart, how could it show up like this after so many years? Anyway, I got my answer because for my birthday, um, while well, I just near our end of our stay there, I received a copy of John's book, The Sacred Romance. Okay, how old are you now? Um, I'm now 13. And how many children do you have? Um, at that point, three. Okay, before you go on, I want to know, <laughs> in those years where you didn't have fellowship or community, how did you have relationship with Jesus? Like, did you... Yeah, what was your your practice to find him? Because sometimes in those early years, it can be 15 seconds in the car. Like, there's not a lot. Was that your experience? I think for me, it was like a dwindling experience. I started off just being, a, you know, continuing to read scripture, worship. I, I loved worship, so that was always my go-to, you know, worship songs. That was really my place, like, you know, embracing God. Um, we did go to a church, but the church was quite dead. So there was really no support there. And so really, it was, it was like a jug that internally, it was like a jug that was just being poured out slowly mm. and just slowly emptying. So by the end of those three years, how well and I was connected to God, I, I really don't. I think I had pretty much didn't disconnected mm -hmm. from the line at the point. And then you get the sacred romance. And then the sacred romance came through my letterbox one day. A friend of mine in Ireland sent it to me and I started reading it and it pretty much turned my world upside down. Mm. Um, it was incredible. This was the first time that I had read something that just made complete sense to me. Up to that point, I'd understood as a Christian, yes, spiritual warfare. And I'd understood, you know, yes, allow God to direct you. I was always very, I was always someone who really listened to God. I love knowing what he wanted and where he wanted me to go and what he wanted me to do. I had that adventurous spirit. Come on, God, just tell me what to do. And I, and I was very formed in those areas, but it was only after I read the sacred romance, I went, oh my goodness, I, I don't know me. I don't know my own mm. heart. And that is really what I got from the sacred romance, that if I was far from my own heart, 
how could I be, how could I be close to God's heart if I was far from my yes. own? Yes. Um, that was the deep revelation at that mm. time. Mm. Deep revelation around that. Wow, that's really, really important. Yeah. So how did you yeah. start to get to know your own heart? How did I start really just going through all the, you know, the wild at heart material, reading the books, just eating it up, my heart just, just, sing, you know, responding and starting to kind of, everything was starting to make sense in my life. Um, and so what ended up happening was I ended up uh, going on uh, your captivating retreat. Yes. Um, I and, didn't get to meet and, you then, uh, though. I didn't meet you then. Yeah. No, no. Oh, no. I would have been one of the people who were like, Stacey wouldn't want to meet me. <laughs> one of those Irish people who've got enough shame going on to kind of go, who am I? Right. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm not one of the ones who queued up. But um, in my heart, I would have loved to. I would love to have had a conversation on that particular retreat. But God was doing so much in my life. At that oh. retreat it was incredible. Oh. Again, that was one of the real highlights. Like what, what was he, what was he doing? Well, one of the things he was doing was he was certainly showing me and revealing things to me about my own heart because of the way that you women shared, mm. you know, you shared your knowledge of God, but then you also shared this knowledge of yourself and how, you know, you really help bridge that gap between, I suppose, in some ways, my spirituality and my humanity. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that I was, I was missing. Um, for me, probably the point of breakthrough was when I was sitting at the back of the conference room and I'm not too sure who it was, who was doing a dance. Oh, yes. She was up there on stage. I was just overwhelmed that you guys would use things like, you know, music and film and dance to really reveal who God is and, and also how he reaches out to us as his beloved. But when I was watching her dance, it just tore my heart open because I looked at her freedom and I just said, I don't have mm. that. No, I don't have that freedom. Mm. And so there was this like pain that hit me that there was something inside me that I knew that was not free. Even though I had known God for a long time, I knew a lot about him, had a lot of knowledge, I worked for him, very busy, missionary, was always serving him, but there was this lack of I suppose, intimacy with God that I, that I was missing within my own heart. So did that propel you? So, did that, what did that do? I'm sure that provoked you to desire. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it, one of the beautiful things that happened after that was I was sitting at the back of the conference room, absolutely roaring my oh. eyes out, not, not, not the pretty crying, as they say. It's just not everywhere and had my head down and I was the only one left in the whole, you know, conference space. And I was just there. I wasn't howling quite. I was, I do very kind of polite crying, you know, noise wise. And suddenly I just felt the sense of someone coming beside me. I still don't know who this woman was. I'd love to find out who it is one day. And she just put her arm around me and just sat oh, with me until I stopped. Oh, crying. I love that. And what was beautiful was before she came over, um, I just happened, I was through the tears. I heard God say, read Isaiah 62. And in Isaiah 62, I just have it here. It says, um, never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. 
your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and he will claim you as his bride. So I was reading that and as I was reading it through the tears, Jesus said to me very clearly in my heart, he goes, and here is your room. <gasps> yeah. So the next part of that, and this is what happens when you start stepping in to the intimate river of God's love, like was starting to happen for me in this space. Um, these are the kind of things that happen. And so this beautiful woman who sat beside me and she just prayed with me. And at the end of the prayer, she just took my hand and she pressed something into it. And she said, Jesus just told me to give you this. And I opened my hand and there was this beautiful silver ring. <laughs> and I was just gone. I was just, couldn't talk to me for at least two hours after that. <laughs> oh, I love how he does that. Oh my goodness. That'll yeah, that'll amazing. do a shift. That's gorgeous. So so then you come home after having this beautiful experience with God. Mm, yes. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your your walk with God after that. So yeah, um my walk with God after that just was incredible. It was so much more connected to my heart. I was just learning, learning, learning just being brought deeper into worship. I had started having a bit more time by myself because my first three, I say my first three children because I went on to have two more. We have five kids. But there was a time where I was just freed up as a mom, all my kids and first three kids in school. And I just was standing one day in the kitchen thinking, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to have coffee. I'm going to have all this. I'm going to walk in my friends. I'm going to take up all these things that I've never been able to do before. <laughs> and then I just heard that still small voice just asking me, you know, why don't you ask me what to do with your time? Oh. You know that moment? And you know you have this moment of choice whether just to brush over that still small voice. And I just was like, yes, well, what would you have me do? Because I've got all these plans. And Jesus knows my heart very well because I love a challenge. I love when he speaks to me. Here I am off doing all, wanting to do all these things. And so when I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he said one thing. Sometimes he's very, he, he doesn't have to use many words. And he just said, worship. Aww. That's it. Aww. And that was incredible because that's how I just, you know, went forward for the next good few years that I just prioritized that as something in my life. Um, and that was incredible because it really brought a lot of intimacy and connection and communication with God. One of the interesting things, though, from that was that although I grew in that area, you know, I was starting to notice in my journey that even though I was very attuned spiritually, that there was areas in my life that were now starting to show up that God was bringing attention to. <laughs> That I that he was saying, hey, we need to go after some of these things that are more hidden in your heart. So that became more apparent after that particular section of my journey. Do you feel comfortable sharing what one of those was? You know, when God heals you and you're set free, you know, you don't have that shame around it anymore. So, yes, I feel very free to to share that. So, um. What he was really going after um, for me was, you know, he was going after uh, the trauma of my 
my history yes. of moving so many yes. times. Um, the reality is, you know, to have that experience of that fragmented lifestyle and to be constantly, you know, outside classroom doors wondering, how am I going to fit in here? Mm. It's hard. And always feeling like an outsider, you know, no one knowing really where I was from, my accent, and a deep sense of just always feeling like I'm I'm out of the tribe. Yes. And as we know, psychologically, <laughs> feeling like you're out of the tribe can feel like right. death. And so he went in for that trauma, that trauma of the girl who really, you know, had had a wound of of not belonging. Um, and so what he was going after was he was going after you know, well, what were the things that I used to, I suppose, in some ways, protect myself? And what did I use to kind of help myself connect? And it was really around my relating styles. You know, I figured out quite quickly when I was young, that just pleasing people, being chameleon-like was all, you know, what what is it that I can do to make myself feel accepted here, feel known, feel seen? Always the one reaching out, pleasing, you know, um, and also what came along with that was another part of just trying to protect myself as well, which was very much the overthinking, always thinking, always analyzing, always trying to work things out. And so the healing piece for me was when when God, you know, came in behind these two, um, I suppose, coping mechanisms of mine, which were starting to really impact um, my relationships um, around me. And also the work that I was doing for God um, and just him coming in, removing those coping mechanisms, which was, as we know, is a pretty scary yes. thing, you yes. know, for all of us when, they, when he decides he's going to remove them and going in after that young hurting part of me and just bringing his, really his mothering, comforting love into that wound. Um, very, very hard, challenging tricky time but I'm so glad that he is so passionate about us that even when he brings us through these dark valleys to heal our trauma that um he knows that we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be okay and we're gonna come out of these dark valleys free mm. walking in freedom and also walking in a deep just a deeper sense of the profound love that mm. he has. Um, that's so beautiful, Elaine. And I know that people are relating to that. I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that there's different areas. We're strong. We know he loves us. We're engulfed in his love. But we have a story still that needs tending to. And, and just um, for the listeners, was that a period of a month? <laughs> I wish. How, what was this <laughs> season like? How, how long? Well, it took about, in total, it took seven years. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And it needed to. It needed to take that long. Yeah. We, we, are, we are depth and complex human beings. Yeah, and God awesome. is attentive in pursuing every aspect and, and a God of process. So if it had been a month, you would not be the woman that you are today with the depth and the ability to see and invite others. Thank you. How how is God pursuing you these days? How is he romancing you? 
Aussie romancing. Oh my goodness. I think it's it's really connected to that seven-year story. It's the result of that story is how he's romancing me. Um, Stacey, you gave a talk on the mothering heart of God homecoming. Yes. 2019, I think. And it was only at that point I really understood that, you know, that the healing that needed to take place in my heart was really healing part of my soul, as I describe it, that was able to receive the comfort, just the comfort of yes. God. I probably, it's, you know, I'd probably given a lot of comfort to people out there. We do, we often do that in the very places that the very things we need ourselves, we often give other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that is how he's ro- romancing me these days through, you know, different opportunities. He's He's opened up my heart just to receive his comfort. So in, in any area of my life where I'm being challenged, whether it's I'm feeling fear or I'm feeling, you know, anxiety about something or whatever it is, whatever the circumstances are bringing up in my life, um, it just keeps romancing me, calling me back into, again, that mothering, comforting, consoling embrace. And it's, it's hard to describe, but it is the most beautiful place that I have found my heart for many, many years. It is a complete place of receiving from him. Yes. And I absolutely love it. That's so good. So how, how has yeah. that changed your desire for others? Or, or what, what is it that's in your heart that you would like others to come to know? Even the men and women that are listening right now. I think what I've finally understood for myself, um, and I will go back to that talk you gave, Stacey, because that was huge, that understanding that, you know, God, really our, the spiritual journey is about a reattachment to, to God. So that is the goal. So everything that God had done in, in my life up to this point or up to this point in my life, that's all been in preparation for that moment of really attaching to God in his fathering heart and his mothering heart to be able to receive deep in our core, deep at my core, the, just the, that, that protective love, that love where he, that he wants to provide, he wants to protect, that he wants to meet my need for security, you know. And not only that, but he also behind that lovely shield of protection that he gives us through the Father's heart, but he also wants behind that shield wants to nurture us and comfort us and so I never thought the spiritual journey would 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 look like this at this point in my life that it would be the joy and the strength that I have actually really has been deeply impacted um really just through uh, this reattachment with him at a very deep nurturing protective level, having my needs met, being consoled by him, no matter what the circumstances, which has been huge, but no matter what circumstances that I have going on in my life, you know, that there is a place that I can go, that I can meet him in my heart, where I can receive on a daily basis any comfort that I need from him. And also that sense of he is for me, good things are going to happen and that I am his delight. But I would have known that many years ago. I would have had all the information about that. But the amazing thing about where I am at in this journey is like now it's actually happening. 
Um, I, I always I describe it to people now as my uh, the gift of uh, supernatural receptivity. Uh. This is what he has healed and opened my heart up for. And this was the goal that he had since the time I was born. That feels like something that, well, two things. One, as you're talking, I just feel I'm so stirred. And I feel like the foundation mm-hmm. underneath my feet is getting more solid. That that is just such truth. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said, yeah. um, spiritual receptivity. Seems like mm-hmm. that, for those that are listening, that that don't know this in the core of their being as, as much as they long to, that that's something that we could pray for. Yes. Because he, he's speaking. Yeah. He wants us to know it. Absolutely. I think, I mean, what I understand now is, you know, to really be able to love others well, as in qu- this quality love, he needs to love us first. And I and I really do think this is where the enemy lies, is like a lot of the warfare that we experience is around blocking us, understanding how do we receive his love. Um, just the opening of our hearts. It's a it's a very vulnerable thing. And a lot of times those areas where we are not able to receive from him, these are the areas where, you know, say the the biggest blockers of receiving his love our self-protection and self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Which would be fear, right? Fear. Oh, yeah. Fear of scarcity, fear of not having enough, or fear for me of not being invited, of not, not being included. Mm-hmm. And and that's actually one of the things as well, which is has been very much the fruit of over the last, you know, couple of years now is just releasing all that to him trusting him with that and the joy the you know this deep joy that i keep experiencing it's coming in kind of different circumstances in my life where the girl who was always on the outside and always longed to be invited in is now being invited in there are invitations coming from jesus to me just in my normal everyday day life now which which he is leading the way with rather than me struggling in my human efforts. So I'm now receiving, being on the receiving end of the joy of his invitations in my life. Um, does that it make does. sense? It does. Oh, absolutely. You're not chasing it for meaning. Not chasing it. Him no. wanting your heart, him after your healing, and from that place of knowing his love, that it's not, um, it's not performance-oriented. And it's all this invitation. And now you're a therapist. Now you're you're teaching. Mm-hmm. You're leading other people deeper into their hearts at retreats and privately, all kinds of beautiful things flourishing, but from a different place than they would have been, say, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So much striving 10 years ago. So much striving. And this is very different because this is really, it's... And again, we read these things, you know, you know, we should be kind of you know, stepping out into this world as Christians from a, from a place of rest, you know, that restful place in our hearts or Psalm 21, we read it and we go, oh, yes, that's beautiful. I, I love that. I want that. Um, but at this part of my journey, 55, I can say, yes, I am now experiencing this. I'm starting to experience just pouring out 
to the world's um, connection and love, loving others, to my family first and foremost, but then, you know, to people he's called me to reach out to, but very much from this place of rest. <sighs> no striving. Oh, so good. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> Elaine, to close, yeah. would you just pray that over the people listening? Would you feel comfortable with that? Yes. I would love that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for this journey, um, this beautiful journey that you bring us on. I just pray now for just anyone who's listening. Um, just as I'm praying now, I'm seeing a picture of a river. And I just pray now that that anyone who is standing on the bank of this river, that they would just hear your beautiful voice, Jesus, calling them to step into the river, to step away from striving, to step away from the bank of self-protection, self-reliance, to step away from, yeah, the muscular muscular Christianity, as we call it, and really just step into the river of your love to step away from the self and just to really step into the river of your love, to be able to receive the love that you have for them. Father, I just pray for just healing for hearts that are listening now, just to be able to supernaturally start being able to receive all the nurturing and the, and the love and to know that you want to meet their needs if they could only just let go and to receive from you. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are all in agreement. <sighs> Thank you, Elaine. Oh, my goodness. So good, so rich, and so much. Thank you for sharing with us today. Oh, completely my pleasure. Delight to be here. Oh, good. And for me and for all you listening, just, yes, an agreement over that prayer for you. Excited for the more that's coming. And may you be deeply blessed. Until next time, see you. <laughs>